When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where I look at every single Prime Minister from Sir John A. Macdonald all the way up to Justin Trudeau. And if you remember last week, I asked if you would email me or contact me and let me know if you wanted me to keep the podcast going by looking at the opposition leaders. I have to say, I got quite the response and much more than I thought I would and I truly do appreciate it. The overwhelming response was yes, Keep it going with the opposition leaders, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to look at the opposition leaders who never became Prime Minister, and how Canada would have changed if they were Prime Minister. But not just that. I had other suggestions come in. I had some listeners suggest looking at the Governor Generals, and then looking at the Premiers of each province. So needless to say, I have a lot of podcasts ahead of me, and this podcast isn't going anywhere. And again, thank you to everybody who got in touch with me. Of course, if you want to get in touch with me for any reason, you can. Just email craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My username is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just search for Bairdo37. I also want to say thank you to Fitzy17, Darren1495, and Canuck Photo Guy who all left five-star reviews. I truly do appreciate it. The fact everybody is enjoying this podcast so much means the absolute world to me. And thank you. And if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. After the collapse of the Progressive Conservatives, the rise of the Reform Party, and the Bloc Quebecois, a new man would arrive in the role of Prime Minister. He was not new to the job by any means, and had a role in Parliament for the most part that dated back to 1963, when Lester B. Pearson was Prime Minister. Of course, I'm speaking of Jean Chrétien, the man who led Canada through much of the 1990s. And as can be expected, this episode has quite a bit of French in it when it comes to names of people and places. And I am working on my French. I'm actually taking French classes right now in order to improve it. But I do apologize if I mispronounce any names over the course of this episode. Joseph Jacques Jean Chrétien was born on January 11, 1934 in Shawinigan, Quebec, the 18th of 19 children, 10 of whom did not survive. His father, Welly Chrétien, worked as a paper mill machinist in town, and also as an organizer for the Liberal Party. That early exposure to the party would result in Chrétien being drawn to it from an early age. That love of the Liberal Party actually went back to his grandfather, Francois, who was a supporter of the Liberal Party while serving as the mayor of his village for 30 years. As a young man, Chrétien was known for not only his temper but his ability to fight. One of his classmates would say later in a biography written about Chrétien that he had nightmares, quote, to be hit by a punch from Chrétien, end quote. At the time, Chrétien was at a boarding school while his mother was sick and his goal was to be expelled so that he could go back home. 
Another friend, Jean Peltier, would say that Chrétien was a fighter who always wanted to win. When Chrétien was 12, he was struck with a severe attack of Bell's palsy, which would cause the left side of his face to be paralyzed. Later in his life, he would use this to his advantage when he stated he was the only politician who did not speak out of both sides of his mouth. As a young child, Chrétien was often attending rallies and handing out political pamphlets for the Liberal Party. One time, he went to a pool hall that was next to the family house to exchange insults with the supporters of the Union Nationale, Premier Maurice Duplessis. Later in life, while he was a student at the Seminaire St. Joseph, he would meet Duplessis, and according to Chrétien, Duplessis asked if his father was Willy Chrétien, to which Chrétien replied, he was. And Duplessis then yelled, quote, well then, you're a goddamn liberal. End quote. In 1957, Chrétien would marry Aline Chrétien, who would always be by his side and support him throughout his long political career. Together, the couple would have three children, two sons and a daughter, and his work ethic was shown in the fact that Chrétien had the ceremony on a Tuesday so that he could work extra on the weekend. And he would say, quote, I had a chance to work all weekend at double time. End quote. In 1959, Chrétien graduated from Laval University with a law degree and he would join a law firm in his hometown of Schwinnigan, while also continuing to be politically active in the area. While at Laval, Chrétien would also join the Liberal Club on campus, and his decision to go into politics influenced his choice of a law degree. He would say, quote, I knew that was the best way to get elected in the St. Maurice riding, to be a lawyer, a man who could deal with all the problems of all the people. End quote. It was around this time that his law degree was starting that Chrétien first became involved in politics. In 1960, he would become the main organizer for Jean Lesage, the leader of the provincial Liberal Party of Canada and soon to be Premier. In 1963, Chrétien decided to go into federal politics and he won his first election to the House of Commons serving as a Liberal and entering the cabinet as a minister without a portfolio. In that first election, Chrétien would take 45.7% of the vote, defeating a social credit incumbent by 2,000 votes in the process. For the first year in the House of Commons, serving as a backbencher, Chrétien would improve his English and watch those around him. When he arrived in Ottawa, his knowledge of English was limited to ordering bacon and eggs. And the new exposure to English would result in some humorous moments for Chrétien. At one party with several Anglophone MPs, they asked him how he was able to defeat his opponent in St. Maurice, and he stated, quote, I went to all factories and shaked hands with everybody. When the work was finished, the men and women rushed by so fast, I did not have time to shake hand, so I touched them all on the bras, end quote. Kretschus said this meaning arms rather than bras, but the other MPs broke out in laughter and said, quote, So that's how you won the election, you damn Frenchman, end quote. One of the first successes for Chrétien would come in the task of renaming Canada's major airline. At the time, the airline was called Trans-Canada Airlines, but some found the name confusing as it flew international routes and no longer flew only in Canada. The other issue was that it did not translate well into French, which was causing issues in Quebec. In 1964, Chrétien submitted a private member's bill proposing a name change from Trans-Canada Airlines to Air Canada. The bill would pass and it would bring Chrétien to the notice of Pearson. Soon after, in 1965, Pearson would make Chrétien his parliamentary secretary 
and the parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Finance. Chrétien would later say he was disappointed that he was appointed as a parliamentary secretary to the Minister of Finance as he had hoped to become a cabinet minister. Pearson would tell him, quote, If I had taken you into the cabinet today in the traditional French-Canadian portfolio of postmaster general, it would not lead you to greater things, end quote. Two years later, in 1967, Chrétien was appointed as the Minister of State for the Department of Finance. When Lester B. Pearson decided to retire, opening up the leadership race for the Liberals that included 12 challengers, of which two, John Turner and Pierre Trudeau, would go on to become Prime Minister, Chrétien chose to support Mitchell Sharp. With the arrival of Pierre Trudeau as Prime Minister, Chrétien saw his profile increase immensely in Canada. He would serve in several different portfolios, including the Treasury Board, Industry, Trade and Commerce, and he became the first French-Canadian finance minister. His largest and most prominent portfolio was that of a Minister of Indian Affairs and Northern Development, which he stayed in from 1968 to 1974. In that portfolio, he would propose the 1969 White Paper that would have abolished legal documents related to Indigenous peoples in Canada, the treaties and the Indian Act, with the goal of assimilating all Indigenous under the Canadian state. The backlash against this paper was nothing short of immense, and it would be withdrawn in 1970 before ever being considered as an act in Parliament. Chrétien would work to diffuse the anger over the white paper by going to meetings with Indigenous leaders and residents and state, quote, Sock it to me, speak your mind, tell me that we stole your land, end quote. Last Wednesday, a delegation from the Cold Lake, Alberta, Native Youth Organization visited Indian Affairs Minister Jean Chrétien in his Ottawa office. The Cold Lake students carried with them a return airplane ticket, which they tried to present to Mr. Chrétien. The Indian students wanted Chrétien to come to Cold Lake to see the conditions on their reserve and understand why the Cold Lake students have been boycotting their school. Well, we are now going to play a tape made at the time the students met Mr. Cretchen in his office. The sound quality is not the best in the world. The microphone was improperly held, for instance. But we believe the recording of that meeting is powerful enough to warrant playing. Mr. Cretchen, we have come from Alberta to speak to you as you have often asked. We come peacefully and without thought of violence to respectfully ask you to come to our reserve and see the conditions that exist there. We realize that you have stated often your position that you cannot come to Coal Lake until we are back in school. But we cannot return to school until you offer us a future generations of Indian people a better hope for their education possibilities. Several people have come to see you in the House of Commons Committee and tell you about the problem as it exists. We have come not to say things, but to make it quite clear to you that as the Minister of the Crown, responsible for Indians and their education, that is, it is your duty and responsibility to come with us to Alberta. We make this request in the most respectful of all possible manner, but without your traveling to Alberta, we must support our parents and remain out of school until we have some assurance that you will remedy the situation. To facilitate your coming to Alberta, we have pur purchased a return air ticket for you and hope you will make it and use it, take it and use it as soon as possible so that this unfortunate situation will come to a speedy and happy end. 
I don't need a ticket. I don't take it. That's just uh, I don't I don't take it. I don't need it. I can go there any time, but I said from the beginning, and I tell you right away that I will not go on the reserves until that the kids are back to school. I've said that two months ago, and I think that it's very bad that uh, you are out of school. And we cannot use, and it's very bad to use the tactics of being on strikes as students to get some improvements on the reserves. I'm aware of your problems. I've sent many of my staff there, and I said from the beginning to the other Indians that I will visit those reserves when the kids will be back to school. As the Minister for Indian Affairs and Northern Development, Chrétien would actually create 10 national parks, which was immense considering the previous 40 years had only seen four national parks created. Chrétien would relate one story in which he was in a plane going to the islands north of Baffin Island. He would say, quote, Everywhere in that beautiful valley, fjord on both sides, the ice caps and so on. I was very excited about it, and I was telling everybody, look, 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 end quote. Chrétien then went to his wife later on and said, quote, I'm going to make a national park in your honor. So I consulted the Minister of Northern Affairs, who was myself. I consulted the Minister of Indian Affairs, who was myself. I consulted the Minister of Parks, who was myself. The three agreed, so I took out a map and I made the sign there and passed the law and now we have a great national park in the north because I did all the proper consultation." End quote. With this high-profile portfolio and frequent coverage on the news, Chrétien became known for being a strong and emotional speaker. He was popular not only in Quebec, but outside of it as well. And Chrétien would say, quote, I play politics like I ski fast and with no style." End quote. In 1977, Chrétien became the Minister of Finance, the first French-Canadian to hold that post as I mentioned, and as the Minister of Finance, he would release two budgets in 1977 and 1978. Oh, I'm, I'm quite happy. I think that, uh, you know, it's a difficult job, but we're in politics to take difficult tasks. It's, uh, if you come in politics to have it easy, you know you're in the wrong business. You know that there's a common cliché around now that this is the suicide post. This is the one you go to before you jump off the boards of politics completely. You know, perhaps it's the wave, but I'm not sure. I, you know, when I look at, I did not look at this problem that way. This is a... Prime Minister said to me that, as evident too, it's an extremely important post. So it's a great challenge. I take it like that. Everyone says it's a kind of suicide department. I don't believe it. You know, John Turner or uh, Don McDonald, uh, if they would have wanted to stay in politics in other capacity than finance, uh, you know, nobody would have said that uh, they, they were finished. Many people in speculating about who would get the job said that it, it doesn't even matter if you get it, that your options are, are very limited. Still others say, oh no, wait till you see how they're going to use the new man to shift gears. What little surprises have you got for Canadians tonight? I don't have any surprise. I think that some would say that the room to maneuver, for maneuvering is not that big. That's right, but uh, I will look at the problem and try to find the approach that could be different. I will be uh, trying to bring into the job uh, 
you know, my uh, my own background, and I'm a different person than my predecessors, and perhaps it will produce different effects. The first was designed to stimulate economic growth and would result in nine of the ten provinces lowering their sales tax. In the 1978 budget, it was more conservative and there were no big spending promises. But it was not all good times for Chrétien in the role. One of the most notable incidents came soon after Chrétien became finance minister when Trudeau humiliated him on national television by imposing a national program of government cutbacks without telling Chrétien in advance. By the 1979 election campaign, Chrétien had been in politics for 16 years and he was beginning to tire. He would tell one reporter after the campaign where he once again won his seat, quote, I was afraid of not succeeding and I hate to fail, end quote. As the Minister of Justice from 1980 to 1982, he would direct the federal forces during the Quebec referendum over Quebec independence, which was defeated. This would be a sign of things to come for Chrétien later in his career when a second referendum threatened to break up the country once again. Chrétien would spend weeks traveling through Quebec, persuading ordinary residents to reject the sovereignty option, and he would state, quote, Many Canadians still don't realize how close or how significant the referendum result was. End quote. When Trudeau began to look at patriating the British North America Act and introduce the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, he looked to Chrétien to help in a significant way. Chrétien was set off on a cross-country series of meetings to discuss constitutional reform, and he then participated in a series of federal-provincial constitutional debates. The conference centre in Ottawa, once one of Canada's grandest railway stations, it has become today the most important political arena in the country. If Jean Chrétien were looking for a platform from which to launch a campaign for the leadership of the Federal Liberal Party, he couldn't have found a better one than this. Under the television lights, under the gaze of millions of Canadians, he sits down there at the right hand of the Prime Minister. Opposite him are the Premiers with whom he has been locked in battle ever since the Quebec referendum. The story behind the scenes at the final constitutional conference involved Jean Chrétien's secret negotiations with Roy Romano of Saskatchewan and Roy McMurtry of Ontario. The final strategy was to break down the common front of opposing Premiers and isolate Quebec. Where do I in the kitchen? There were 38 days between the Supreme Court judgment and the final deal. 38 days of cajoling and midnight meetings and bets. It ended in the fifth floor kitchen of the conference center. Here, Romano and McMurtry. That's your document, that's, man. That's the one I gave you, but the one that I had was right here. <laughs> you know, the night of the judgment, uh, the three of us, uh, that night, uh, Romano delivered to me with uh, McMurtry the bottle of scotch he had lost <laughs> at my home. And it is that night that trying to find a solution that we put among ourselves uh, what is basically the agreement of today. In his Parliament Hill office, Jean Chrétien is surrounded by the artifacts he collected during the years in Indian and Northern affairs. He pours over the Justice Department briefing books, but with the Constitution behind him, his mind turns to the possibility of the Liberal leadership. As the Attorney General, Chrétien participated in the official signing ceremony at Parliament Hill with Queen Elizabeth II. 
After Pierre Trudeau chose to step down as Prime Minister in 1984, a new leadership race was held and for the first time, Jean Chrétien put his name in the ring. By this point, Chrétien was known for his folksy style and the rapport he had with his audience because of his forceful and engaging manner of speaking. He was also by this point a very skilled political organizer. John Turner would state that his main challenger in the leadership race was Chrétien, stating that he held a, quote, privileged place in the hearts of Canadians. No one is more popular, end quote. In the Liberal Party Leadership Convention on June 16, 1984, Chrétien took 1,067 votes on the first ballot, 800 above the third-place challenger, but 500 behind John Turner, who had recently come back into politics after eight years away. On the second ballot, Chrétien increased his total to 1,368 and 40% of the vote, but he would lose to Turner, who finished with 1,862 votes. Chrétien would say after, quote, Every politician must learn to accept the verdict of the people. If he cannot take it, he don't belong in the game. End quote. In the following election, Chrétien was one of the few liberals in Quebec to keep his seat in an election that saw Brian Mulroney's government roar to the largest majority in Canadian history, including nearly sweeping in Quebec. The popularity of Chrétien was shown in the fact that he was 10,000 votes ahead of his progressive conservative challenger in that election. Chrétien would remain in the official opposition, a rare occurrence for him during his early political career. From 1963 to 1984, Chrétien had only been in the opposition for nine months from 1979 to 1980. When Turner had his leadership renewed in 1986 with the party, Chrétien chose to resign from politics, and he returned to his law practice, and he would also release his autobiography, Straight from the Heart, which was a national bestseller in Canada. Today, for the first time in almost a quarter century, Jean Chrétien left the House of Commons as a private citizen. Minutes earlier, in a meeting with Liberal leader John Turner, Chrétien had revealed his decision to retire from politics. I don't want to be involved in any fight with anybody. I am just uh, go to private life and I'm extremely happy this morning and my wife is ecstatic about it and, uh, you know, so I'm a private citizen. Chrétien's resignation prompted words of affection and admiration from members on all sides of the commons. Uh, he loved Quebec and loves Quebec, believed very deeply in Canada and had a unique and... Uh, thoughtful way uh, of expressing that. I said to the Honourable Member that uh, it was a shock that the country needed him. Certainly the Liberal Party needed him, and I did as well in personal terms. In his resignation letter, Chrétien observed all the diplomatic niceties, and Turner responded in kind. But it's clear they had had difficulty defining Chrétien's role in the Liberal Party. I've tried on several occasions, tried my best, uh, to understand where Jean Chrétien is and where John Turner is, and uh, I suppose there can only be one, there can only be one leader. With another election defeat at the hands of the Progressive Conservatives, Turner decided to resign as leader in 1990, and this opened up the door to leadership for Chrétien. In the Liberal Party Leadership Convention held on June 23, 1990, Chrétien took 2,652 votes on the first ballot, nearly 1,500 votes ahead of his closest challenger, future Prime Minister Paul Martin. 
to capture the leadership of the party on the first ballot. It was a long campaign to get to the convention. It seemed almost as long to get to the first ballot. But the result could hardly have been more decisive. Jean Chrétien, 2,652. Jean Chrétien waited a long time for this. He lost the leadership to John Turner six years ago, but he never stopped wanting the job. That in itself has provoked division within the party. Chrétien's first task now will be to try to heal the wounds. He began immediately by paying tribute to his political rivals, first of all to Turner. But the Canadian will remember forever the fantastic fight he made for Canada in 1986. And then he began to make peace with those he'd run against this time. And I said at the beginning of this campaign that it was a contest among friends. And you saw a minute ago the five friends who were in front of you asking you to unite behind that great institution, the Liberal Party. From trying to heal the party, Chrétien turned to trying to heal a country. In French, he asked Quebecers to rediscover Canada, to travel and feel at home. Allez visiter vos frères et vos sœurs. He had a message for English-speaking Canadians, too. Extend your hand. Go and visit the Quebecers. And you will understand that we can be different, but we can be proud francophone and be proud Canadian at the same time. Then Chrétien turned to the man who is now his chief political foe, Brian Mulroney. The Prime Minister has put us for too long in a pressure cooker. Now is the time to turn off the stove and fire the cook. Chrétien finished his speech with what has become a kind of rallying cry for him. You know, the Canadian dream is not complete. We have a lot of work to do. Thank you. Petain says the work begins tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. That's when he meets with his caucus for the first time as leader. His work in the House of Commons, though, won't begin for a while yet. Petain said tonight he doesn't intend to seek a seat in Parliament for at least six months. From 1919 to 1990, the only two men earned the leadership of the party on the first ballot. Louis St. Laurent in 1948 and Lester B. Pearson in 1958. Chrétien would return to the House of Commons in a by-election win in New Brunswick, and he found that his party, which had been the dominant party for Canada in the 20th century, was very disorganized and nearly bankrupt. Another issue was that Chrétien opposed the Meech Lake Accord, which cost him the votes among Quebec nationalists. By the time 1993 rolled around, Chrétien was ready, and so was the Liberal Party. He had spent the past three years building the party back up as the progressive conservatives were seeing their popularity decline to historic levels. The Liberal Party also felt that it had the strongest slate of candidates heading into the election since the 1970s. Edward Goldenberg, the Liberal policy advisor, would state, quote, Anything can happen in an election, but we are as ready as we will ever be. End quote. As for Chrétien, he for the most part stuck to attacking Brian Mulroney rather than his successor Kim Campbell, the current Prime Minister. And he would say, quote, Mulroney is an old adversary. I consider a woman different. If you have to be a little more guarded, you can't be rough. It's natural because I still open the door to a woman, end quote. When the 1993 election campaign began, 
Chrétien ran a nearly flawless campaign. He would target the issues of job creation and release the Red Book, a detailed platform that answered criticisms that he would return to the high spending of previous Liberal governments. A major author of that book was Paul Martin, who I will get to in the next episode. Prior to the election debate, Chrétien stopped at Shawinigan with reporters and toured through the community where he lived as a child. During the tour, he would say, quote, Politics is made of this thrill. When you skate on thin ice, you never know where there will be a hole. End quote. In that election, Chrétien recaptured his original riding with 54.1% of the vote, and the Liberals also came back into power after a decade out of it following the loss in 1984. The Liberal Party cruised to a majority government with 177 seats, including picking up 19 seats in Quebec, despite the growth of the popularity of the Bloc Québécois, who picked up 54 seats to become the official opposition. The Progressive Conservative Party, which had been in power from 1984 to 1993, collapsed to only two seats. With that win, the little guy from Shawinigan had become Canada's 20th Prime Minister. And the first thing he did was thank his wife, stating, quote, I wouldn't be here today if she wasn't next to me. I accept with humility the challenge to prepare Canada for the 21st century. End quote. Monday's federal election has completely changed the political landscape of this country. While the Liberals have won a significant majority, two of Canada's established parties have all but disappeared. Both the Conservatives and the NDP will lose their official standing in Parliament. The Bloc Québécois is now the official opposition, and from Western Canada comes a more powerful and invigorated reform party. But first, a look at the Liberal sweep. The party now holds 178 seats in the House of Commons. That's at least 30 more than most Liberals ever expected to win. It was a jubilant night for Jean Chrétien. He appeared before an enthusiastic crowd in his hometown, Shawinigan. Chrétien was celebrating not only his party's victory, but his own re-election in the riding of Saint-Maurice. As Alvin Cater reports, he had a message of conciliation for the other party leaders. The little guy from Shawinigan was mobbed by a hometown crowd that jammed the upper level of a shopping mall. Jean Chrétien paid tribute to all his opponents, especially Kim Campbell, whose Tories were decimated, and NDP leader Audrey McLaughlin, who also watched her party suffer terrible losses. To Preston Manning and Lucien Bouchard, Chrétien extended an olive branch. He said he hoped they could all work together in Parliament, but he emphasized he has a clear mandate and he intends to carry it out. We have to concentrate all our efforts on the economy to create jobs, to have economic growth, to give dignity to the workers who want to work across this land. And Chrétien put the Bloc Québécois on notice that he will not be deflected from that course. We have to put our constitutional wrangling in the deep freeze, Chrétien said. The Liberal leader acknowledged he was disappointed by the results from Quebec. He had hoped to do better. He said he would try to earn the trust of Quebecers and convince them on the merits of remaining within Canada. Chrétien had a similar message to voters from outside Quebec, that no matter how they voted, he intends to form a government that represents all Canadians. Alvin Cater, CBC News, Shawinigan. Over the course of this series, I've looked at Prime Ministers who came along at the wrong time and could have been great if circumstances were different. R.B. Bennett, the Prime Minister at the start of the Great Depression, was an example of this, but Chrétien is the opposite. He came along at the perfect time for his career. And while Canada was dealing with the high debt and deficits, 
the economic conditions of the country and many industrialized nations would begin to rise and with it would come a rise in revenues. This would eventually allow the Canadian government to register its first surplus in 30 years and even with the budget cuts, Chrétien enjoyed high public approval while his political opposition remained in disarray. A major reason for this was the fact that Paul Martin was his finance minister. Over the course of nine years, Paul Martin would release budget after budget, moving Canada from the red into the black. In the early 1970s, deficits became the norm in the federal government, and by 1995 the deficit had reached $37.5 billion, and the total debt of the government had gone from $20 billion in 1971 to $588 billion in 1996. Maintaining this debt load accounted for 26% of the annual federal budget by that point. In 1994, Kretschmer and his government would begin to institute massive spending cuts to federal programs and transfer payments to the provinces. By 1997-98, the federal government recorded its first annual surplus in 28 years. And by the time Kretschmer would leave office, he would reduce the debt to $526 billion. Of course, the elimination of the deficit didn't come without major costs. Many felt that the reduction of the deficit came at the expense of the standard of living for many Canadians. The provinces were also unhappy about the cuts to the transfer payments. Looking elsewhere, two small changes Chrétien would bring about pretty quick were the renaming of the Department of External Affairs to the Department of Foreign Affairs and International Trade, and the Secretary of State for External Affairs became the Minister of Foreign Affairs. The change from external to foreign was seen as Canada downplaying its relationship with Commonwealth nations and showing that Canada wanted to pursue an effective foreign policy through fiscal restraint. Soon after he was elected, Chrétien met with President Bill Clinton in Seattle. During the election, Chrétien promised to renegotiate NAFTA, but he dropped the idea after the Americans threatened to walk away from the deal. One of the biggest challenges to face Chrétien came in October 1995 with the referendum on Quebec independence, and the question put to Quebec voters was, quote, Do you agree that Quebec should become sovereign after having made a formal offer to Canada for a new economic and political partnership within the scope of the bill respecting the future of Quebec and the agreement signed on June 12, 1995? End quote. Chrétien would speak to the nation on October 25, 1995, and he would say, quote, Tonight, I want to speak to my fellow Quebecers, because at this moment, the future of our whole country is in their hands. I also want to speak to all Canadians, because the issue concerns them deeply. It is not only the future of Quebec that will be decided on Monday. It is the future of all Canada. The decision that will be made is serious and irreversible, with deep, deep consequences, end quote. He would end his speech to Canada saying, quote, In a few days all the shouting will be over, and at that moment you will be alone to make your decision. At that moment I urge you, my fellow Quebecers, to listen to your heart and to your head. I am confident that Quebec and Canada will merge strong and united, end quote. 
A simple majority, 50% plus one, is not enough to break up Canada. That's the view of Jean Chrétien. The Prime Minister isn't saying what he would do, but he has gone further in defining how he would interpret a yes vote in the Quebec referendum. Responding to the Reform Party, the Prime Minister said a yes vote with a simple majority of 50% plus one wouldn't be democratic because, he says, the referendum question is so confusing. The Bloc Québécois is questioning Chrétien's commitment to democracy. The Reform Party is accusing him of muddying the issue even more. But as Alvin Cater reports, it was the Prime Minister's clearest statement yet. For the sake of national unity, we're not disagreeing about the goal. For the sake of making the issue crystal clear. Much to the disgust of the government, it was Preston Manning again pressing the issue. Pressing the Prime Minister to state clearly he will honour whatever choice Quebecers make. For the second day in a row, Jean Chrétien would not oblige him. Except today, he was even more emphatic about how he will respond if a simple majority of Quebecers votes yes. In a country like that, to recognize that at one time, the rule that a majority plus one, you know, to break a country, that will be irresponsible on my part. But Manning pressed on. He said the Prime Minister, by refusing to commit himself to respecting a yes vote, was sending confusing signals to Quebecers and people in the rest of the country. Chrétien scolded Manning. He accused him of playing the Bloc Québécois game, and he questioned which side Manning was on in the fight to keep Canada united. And I'm very disappointed that the leader of the Reform Party is trying to position himself. In a situation like that, I would like to tell him that as Canadians, we have to be united to make sure that Quebec remains. The inference was too much for Manning. His face got red, his voice shook as he shot back at Chrétien. If the Prime Minister wants to make comments about the loyalty of members to Canada, let him direct them to the leader of the opposition, not the leader. Outside the House, the reform leader said Chrétien's remarks reminded him of Brian Mulroney's words in 1992 when he branded the opponents of the Charlottetown Accord enemies of Canada. Late this afternoon, the two supposed Federalist allies continue to air their differences in private in a meeting requested by the Prime Minister. Alvin Cater, CBC News, Ottawa. On the vote, the no side won by only 50.58% of the vote, the narrowest of victories. After the near breakup of the country, Chrétien would take measures to prevent it from happening again. He would introduce a motion that would pass that recognized Quebec as a distinct society with its own language, cultural and civil law system. He also gave provinces more power in constitutional change and labour training. As well, he would introduce the Clarity Bill, which would frame future referendums for any province looking for sovereignty. The bill states that a province can only secede if its population has had a chance to vote on separation in a clear referendum question and then the House of Commons could then decide if the question was stated clearly. Soon after the vote, on November 5, 1995, a man named André Delaire broke into 24 Sussex Drive and spent 20 minutes throwing stones on the ground and waving at the security cameras while carrying a pocket knife. He then climbed a fence and went into the house after smashing a glass door. He wandered around until he was confronted by Aline Chrétien, who ran back to the bedroom and locked the door and woke up Chrétien, who told her she just had a dream. She then dialed the RCMP who were outside the house. One of the most well-known parts of this story involves either Chrétien or Aline, 
holding an Inuit stone sculpture of a loon in defense in case Delaire broke through the door. Delaire did not attempt to get into the bedroom, and after seven minutes from when Aline called, the man was arrested. Delaire, who was a paranoid schizophrenic, thought that after the no vote, he was a secret agent who was avenging the loss of the referendum, and if he killed Chrétien, he would be a hero in the nation. Good evening. It was a stunning admission made by the country's top RCMP officer. For at least 44 minutes early Sunday morning, an armed man roamed the grounds of 24 Sussex Drive. He moved inside the house, up the stairs, to within steps of the Prime Minister and his wife. And it was then, according to police, he attempted murder. Susan Harada tonight with alarming new details of the security breakdown and the RCMP's red-faced response. The RCMP has had almost 48 hours to come up with some answers about the bungled security operation at 24 Sussex. So far, this is all it has had to say. It seems quite evident by the fact that this incident occurred uh, that uh, security was breached in a serious fashion. The Prime Minister summed up the security mess the best while speaking of the way his wife handled the break-in. Aline Chrétien was the one who confronted the intruder and raised the alarm. And uh, I think that I'm uh, lucky that she was there. He certainly is, because the RCMP took some time to show up. Sources close to the investigation say there were three constables on duty that night, one at each of the two gates, one roaming the grounds. Nevertheless, the intruder managed to slip through the security net at some point, police say, prior to 2.23 a.m., Police say he got inside at about 2.45 a.m. by smashing the glass of a door on the west side. CBC News has been told there is a security system inside the house, but it wasn't working properly that night. The intruder apparently spent at least 15 minutes inside, making his way up to the second floor to the entrance hall of the Chrétien's bedroom. At about 3 a.m., Aline Chrétien saw him, locked both sets of bedroom doors, picked up the lift and ring hotline and alerted the constable at the gate. CBC News has also been told the constable then radioed the sergeant in charge, who was on duty at the detachment a kilometre down the road at Rideau Hall. Nothing more was done until the sergeant arrived at 24 Sussex with reinforcements. In 1998, Lair, after getting the help he needed, apologized for his behaviour and stated he was now on medication and that he hoped the Chrétiens would forgive his actions. A few months later, Chrétien would create an iconic moment in Canadian history when he confronted a protester at the first Flag Day celebration in Ottawa on February 15, 1996. That confrontation would result in what is now called the Shawinigan Handshake, taken from the image of Chrétien grabbing the man by the throat and moving him aside. I did an entire episode on this moment back in February where I go in quite a bit of detail, so go check it out. But essentially what happened was, while giving a speech in honour of Flag Day, Gretchen was heckled by anti-poverty protesters during the event. He would soon end his speech and begin to leave the event, and as he made his way to his limousine after shaking hands in the crowd, he was confronted by a protester named Bill Clinette, and as Clinette approached, and yelled, Chrétien, you should be unemployed. Chrétien grabbed him by the back of the neck and the chin, threw him to the ground and broke one of his teeth in the process. Another protester came forward to block Chrétien's path to the limousine, and Chrétien then knocked the megaphone out of the protester's hand 
and the protester was tackled by the RCMP. As can be expected, the Prime Minister of Canada personally dealing with someone confronting him was almost unheard of in Canada, and it quickly spread across the country and even into international outfits. Chrétien would defend his actions, stating, quote, Some people come my way, and I had to go, so if you're in my way, end quote. He would go on to say later, quote, I just moved him and I wish I had not done that. Some people were in my way. I had to go. I had to keep walking. End quote. He also criticized the RCMP for allowing someone to get so close to the Prime Minister, but the RCMP stated they saw no breach of security. It was supposed to be a special day, a celebration to mark the anniversary of the Canadian flag. That's not the way things turned out in Hull, Quebec. As the Prime Minister of Canada came face to face with a demonstrator, physically grabbed him and shoved him aside. Our coverage of this extraordinary moment begins with our chief political correspondent, Jason Moskowitz. Nothing seems to come easy for the Prime Minister anymore. It certainly wasn't easy to deliver a speech over the noise of the protesters who came equipped to make all the noise they wanted. The Prime Minister didn't try to speak for very long. Instead, he walked into the crowd, but there too he had to contend with the protesters. Chrétien should be unemployed, the protesters screamed. As the Prime Minister continued toward his car, he came face to face with one of the demonstrators. Suddenly, Chrétien took the man by the back of the neck. His other hand was over the protesters' mouth. He pushed him aside. Seconds later, another protester approached the Prime Minister. Chrétien knocked over the bullhorn that was in his hands. This was all over in a matter of seconds. The Prime Minister grabbing a protester by the back of the neck and pushing him aside. The RCMP pushed the protester on the ground. But how did the protester get so close to the Prime Minister? The RCMP says there was no breach in security. That the Prime Minister was adequately protected today. Uh, and uh, it's... it's uh, and that's it. Bill Clement is the protester who was pushed aside. We sort of stayed here, and then I said, well, I'll keep my ground right here. And then he came and put me on the ground. Although the protesters were protesting unemployment insurance changes, Deputy Prime Minister Sheila Kopp says their protest was also about national unity. You don't use that point to destroy the celebration of the Canadian flag. You mentioned and, separatists and I, before. Well, I mentioned separatists because they then went on to say that it wasn't their flag. When it was over, Jean Chrétien provided his account. You didn't lunge at him, did you? I don't know. What happened? I don't know. Well, you know, see, if you don't know, the cameras were there. Some people came in my way. It might have been, been uh, I had to go. So if you're in my way, I'm walking. So I don't know what happened. If you have been something to somebody, should not have been there. Afterward, the Prime Minister's office said Chrétien was just defending himself. Due to the referendum, it was clear to Chrétien that his popularity in Quebec was limited. In order to fix that, a sponsorship program was created to raise the profile of Canada and the federal government in the province through a targeted advertising program. Instead of achieving its goal, the semi-secret initiative ended up turning into a multi-million dollar scandal that did little to raise the profile of federalism in Quebec. It was found that public money was being used to enrich liberal-friendly ad firms and provide kickbacks and campaign funds to the Quebec wing of the Liberal Party. And while Chrétien was not personally implicated, it would have long-lasting consequences for Paul Martin, the man who would come after Chrétien and who I'll get to next week. 
1997, Chrétien and the Liberals once again received a majority government, but lost seats and finished with 155, just enough to maintain that majority. Now, wrapping up the story we've been watching tonight throughout the night, the election's wild ride for the Liberals. They were ambushed in Atlantic Canada, but the tide started to turn in Quebec and rolled over Ontario. Jean Chrétien has held on to his majority, but just barely. There you see the numbers, 154 elected, one still leading for a total of 155, needed 151 for a majority. The Reform Party, official opposition, at 60 seats. Chrétien will be facing a new official opposition, and that's reform. The Prime Minister came close to losing his riding and his majority government, but he took comfort in the fact that it's only the second time in 44 years that Liberals have won back-to-back -back majority governments. I pledge to govern for the old country, in interest of all Canadians, not just those who voted for my party. And the Prime Minister called on all parties to put aside their regional differences and work together for the good of Canada. With a slim majority government and a strong separatist bloc in Parliament, that is quite a tall order. Susan Bonner, CBC News. In his second term, Chrétien and the Liberals continued to benefit from the economic prosperity of the time, and his government began to switch to human rights issues and domestic policy, including Canada participating in the Kosovo War of 1999. And Chrétien would also support the campaign of Lloyd Axworthy, his foreign affairs minister, to ban landmines and create an international criminal court. Both campaigns would be successful, while Canada would also continue to send peacekeepers around the world. In 1999, Chrétien saw that the Reform Party was attempting to recast itself and absorb the Progressive Conservatives in a Unite the Right initiative. This created the Canadian Alliance Party in 2000, who elected Stockwell Day, a relatively unknown person in Canada. Chrétien, seeing an opportunity, called another election even as his own party was not keen on it. The gamble worked as the Canadian Alliance was incredibly unprepared for the election. In September of 2000, Canada had a surplus and Chrétien would announce a $23.4 billion increase in health care spending. And then on November 27, 2000, the Liberals cruised to 172 seats and a third majority government. This was the first time the Liberals had achieved three consecutive majority governments since Sir Wilfrid Laurier in 1904. The trend started early in Atlantic Canada, where the Liberals increased their 11 seats to 19, led, some say, by the man making a comeback on the federal stage, Brian Tobin. The Liberal Party has had a great victory all across Atlantic Canada tonight. It was a victory that came at the expense of the New Democrats. Their leader, Alexa McDonough, was one of just four NDP candidates elected in the region. And as results poured in from across central Canada, the outcome became clear. The Liberals will form a majority government. Once again, the Liberals can thank Ontario for the bulk of their support. Candidates there repeated their near sweep of 1997, including party heavyweights like Alan Rock. Welcome to an historic evening. For the Prime Minister, it's a three-peat. And in Quebec, a province where sovereignists waged a bitter and sometimes personal campaign against Jean Chrétien, the Liberals still picked up seats. 
But the liberal advance was stalled as Western voters made their voices heard. As expected, the Canadian Alliance and Stockwell Day took the lion's share of seats in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and British Columbia. And even as he conceded defeat, a defiant Day promised supporters he will continue to lead the party and grow stronger. We continue to be, and now are in an increased way, the federal alternative for those who would choose another form of government, and we will work towards that, towards the next federal election. In fact, all the leaders claimed success tonight. Just begun. Yeah. Joe Clark, because he won his seat in Calgary and held on to official party status for the Conservatives. Now tonight, the Progressive Conservative Party has shown that we are an essential force in Canadian politics. Alexa McDonough had similar reasons to be satisfied. We'll, of course, miss those who weren't elected, uh, but we're going back with official party status. The Bloc Québécois hoped to pick up seats in Quebec. In the end, it looks like they lost a few, but leader Gilles Duceppe was still upbeat. We'll be there proudly to represent those people, to fight for social justice, and also to make the light on all the scandals that affected the Liberal government. But there was no doubt who the biggest winner was tonight. Tonight, the people of Canada are renewed their confidence in our program, in our team, and in my leadership. It's a leadership many called tired, an election many called unnecessary. But now, Chrétien will return to Ottawa with an even bigger majority than he had in 1997. Daryl McIntyre, CBC News, Toronto. In his third term as Prime Minister, Chrétien's main issues were the relationship with the United States, who had recently elected George W. Bush as president, replacing Bill Clinton, with whom Chrétien had an excellent relationship. Chrétien's government would also begin the process of legalizing same-sex marriage, while also contributing $50 million for a vaccine to combat AIDS and fight the epidemic in Africa. When the terrorist attack occurred on September 11, 2001, Canada supported the Americans, but decades of cost-cutting had left Canada with a weak armed forces and limited resources to respond to a crisis. Canada would take part in the war in Afghanistan, which started in 2002, sending what soldiers they could. The war would claim 158 Canadian soldier lives and result in 2,000 wounded. And Chrétien would say, quote, We are your neighbours, friends and family. We have to work together. This problem concerns all the nations of the world. End quote. Echoing the previous Liberal governments of Pearson and Trudeau, who did not send troops to Vietnam officially, Chrétien refused to participate directly in the Iraq War without the authorization by the UN Security Council. Chrétien, in his later autobiography, would claim to have told Bush six months before the invasion that he was not convinced. He would say, quote, I've been reading all my briefings about the weapons of mass destruction and I'm not convinced. I think the evidence is very shaky. End quote. In 2002, Canada joined the Kyoto Protocol from the UN Convention on Climate Change and when the G8 summit was held at Kananaskis in Alberta, he ensured that Africa was a central part of the agenda. His stand with America and his foreign policies made Chrétien extremely popular in Canada, especially in his home province of Quebec. Even with that popularity, Chrétien would see that within his own party there was fracturing over his leadership 
and Paul Martin's supporters were undercutting the followers of Chrétien. Chrétien would actually fire Paul Martin as the finance minister, but he could see the writing on the wall. Rather than face a leadership vote, Chrétien stepped down as Liberal leader, resigning officially as Prime Minister on December 12, 2003. Chrétien would say, quote, I think back to Canada that existed when I first entered Parliament in 1963, and I compare it with the Canada that existed when I left office. It's not the same country at all, and a great deal of its transformation came through political action. There is nothing that hasn't been touched and shaped by politics. End quote. An illustrious career is winding down. A prime minister is preparing to leave the stage. Today was Jean Chrétien's parliamentary curtain call. After four decades in politics, he took his seat in the House of Commons for the last time. MPs of all stripes put aside political differences to offer tributes and share memories. The tone was light, even humorous, but beneath the banter, the respect was unmistakable. Paul Hunter was in the house watching all this. He joins us from Ottawa. Paul? Mark, it may not have been the official goodbye, but it was sincere and it was heartfelt. Some 40 years after he first set foot in the House of Commons, members of Parliament today said farewell to Jean Chrétien. When the Prime Minister arrived this morning, he wouldn't even talk about it. Prime Minister, it's your last day on the hill. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just another day at the office, it seemed. But later, hinting this would indeed be his last day in the House of Commons. Different day, a little bit, yes, indeed. The clues were everywhere. His former deputy, Herb Gray, had showed up. There's longtime confidant, Mitchell Sharp. Then wife, Ellen, who spoke of their many years in politics. We had a good life. <laughs> no one wanted to miss what would happen here. Four decades after first winning a seat in Parliament, his last ten as Prime Minister, this was goodbye. A man of infallible political instinct who could have led the Liberal Party of Canada to a fourth consecutive majority victory. Chrétien gives up his job as Liberal leader next week and as Prime Minister sometime after that. So with all expectations, he will never return here. MPs from each party address the Prime Minister, old foe and former Conservative Prime Minister Joe Clark. You will know that in our most recent skirmishes, I won some debating points and he won another general election. <laughs> in fact, there were as many laughs as compliments. Only the Bloc Québécois seemed to miss the spirit of the occasion. You are welcome anytime in your hometown of Shawinigan, said Bloc leader Gilles Duceppe, in a sovereign Quebec. But for the rest, it was a time of pure, heartfelt tribute. All political differences aside, he did his best, and he did it straight from the heart. And he did it with Canada, always foremost in his thoughts and his heart. I remember this Prime Minister... As Prime Minister, but not so much as the street-fighting Prime Minister, but as the street-fighting Minister of Justice, who aggressively put forward the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and defended it against all comers, not always gently, not even always elegantly, but persuasively, with passion, and with conviction. With his retirement, Chrétien became a counsel for a law firm and remained involved in politics, but not on an official basis. In 2008, he and NDP leader Ed Broadbent worked to form a coalition agreement to oust the Conservative government of Stephen Harper, 
But Stephen Harper would prorogue Parliament to halt the efforts to create a non-confidence vote. In 2013, Krachek criticized the foreign policy of Harper as well. Over the past two decades, Krachek has been involved in several international organizations, including the World Leadership Alliance, the Madrid Club, and the Honor Committee of the Foundation Chirac. In 2020, his wife Aline would sadly pass away, and at the time of her death on September 12, 2020, they had been married for 63 years, and she only died two days after their anniversary. I will close out this episode with a quote from Kretchen's close friend, Bill Clinton, who said, quote, He had an enormous impact, not only because people like him, but because he is a genuinely nice man. I doubt most Canadians know just how admired Canada is as a result in the rest of the world. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode, and if you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Randall McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurieanne Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-E-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Information comes from Maple Leaf Web, Canadian Encyclopedia, Maclean's, CBC, Wikipedia, Library and Archives Canada, St. Francis Xavier University in an Encyclopedia of World Biography. Thanks, we'll see you again next time.